With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo. GOAT, G O A T, acronym, stands for Greatest of All Time. As in spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit adoptuskids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. You can also email me, um, Saturdays with Joy Keys at Hotmail.com. I would love to hear from you, comments, suggestions, people you think you like to hear on the show giveaways you think I should do. I do a lot of giveaways. Thank you for supporting the show. Wow, I I just really appreciate you guys, and I hope that you have learned something and shared with friends and family. You can hear the show on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, iTunes, as well as here at Blog Talk Radio. Well, this morning we're going to be talking about lupus. You may or may not have heard of lupus. This month is Lupus Awareness Month, and I have two specialists, two specialists. I'm going to emphasize that word. Uh, One is a doctor. Um, She's a certified rheumatologist, and she serves on the Lupus Foundation of America Georgia Chapter Medical Advisory Board and is a lupus consultant for them. This is Dr. Wambua Mashua, I'm sorry, uh, good morning. Good morning, Joy. How are you doing? I am well, other than the air conditioner. <laughs> um, I just want to tell the audience, I have I had to open my windows because the power went out in my area. So if you guys hear some weird sounds or cars or something, it's my fault. Um, our other guest this morning is Venetia K. Thompson. She is dealing with lupus herself. And she is here on behalf of uh, the Lupus Foundation, Philadelphia Tri-State Chapter, and she serves uh, as uh, vice chair of the board of directors. Uh, She also facilitates lupus support groups and self-help courses, uh, what they call SLESH. Good morning, Venetia. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Um, You guys, this is a really awesome show today. We talked earlier about having people of color represented and speaking about this illness, also people of color that specialize in this illness. I mentioned to you when I was researching, I was at the Mayo Clinic's website and all the rheumatologists were white or there were two East uh, East Asians. But this illness affects, wow, 85, 90% people of color. It's amazing, yes? Yes. Uh, yes. People of color are 
three to four times more likely to have lupus than um, uh, people, uh, Caucasians or white people. Um, and we are the main people that really don't have the information that we need. So it's very vital that we try to make sure that we give them that information um, or find ways that we can get that information to them through education, um, outreach, uh, programs, and support, whether that's um, uh, emotional or financial. Yes. Dr. Mashua, why is it that they're mostly people of color affected by this illness? Do they know why this is? Yes. So one, so there are multiple multiple factors that uh, we know um, drive or trigger the disease, and one of the factors is genetic uh, predisposition. Um, the first gene that's associated with lupus was discovered in 1997, and since then we're discovering more and more. So there's a genetic predisposition. And that's why we find um, women, more than men, 90% of patients with lupus are women. And also there's an ethnicity uh, component. So as we said, um, African-Americans, Africans, uh, people of African descent um, are typically affected more uh, than other ethnicities. We do have other factors too, uh, but genetics is a big um, reason, predisposition, the work that's been done, the scientific work is to understand more of the genetics, which is going to help us more with um, developing medications and also treatments. Yeah. Venetia, do you have anyone in your family that is also dealing with lupus? Well, uh, neither of my parents had any problems, and my grandparents didn't, but I had a great-grandmother who was bedridden, and um, they didn't, of course, back then think of it as lupus. They just said she had arthritis, and she wasn't able to undoubtedly walk, so she had been bedridden for uh, a a good number of years. Um, But I do have three other siblings, a brother and two sisters. My brother was not diagnosed with any autoimmune problems, but my two sisters have been um, either diagnosed with autoimmune problems. One was diagnosed with an autoimmune problem. The other one was diagnosed with lupus. But neither of them um, have had any uh, life-changing alterations. I mean, they were able to continue work and um, uh, function. Um, when I was diagnosed, mm-hmm. um, I ended up having to stop work, but I have m- a major problem with fatigue, and I just literally stop. My body just gets to a point, and it stops. I mean, drops, um, and, and I just can't function. It's like you mm-hmm. pull the, the plug on a battery. Dr. Mashua, she mentioned this issue of fatigue. What are some other symptoms that people with lupus are dealing with? So the lupus symptoms can vary. There are actually over 1,400 symptoms uh, that, wow. that lupus patients yes, can, pre- yes, can <laughs> present with. So the most common, I'll just start with the most common and go up. So the most common is joint pain, um, joint swelling, joint stiffness. Uh, that's usually in medical terms is arthritis. There are different kinds. There are over 100 different kinds of arthritis also. 
but this particular one occurs when you're at rest. So for those who are listening, if, if you wake up in the morning uh, and you have stiffness, pain, swelling that goes on for hours, at least an hour or more, that should be looked into. Skin rashes, and we call this inflammatory rashes. Um, fatigue is up there, and it's one of the ones, unfortunately, we've not been able to get a good um, the medications may not help the fatigue as much. Um, some of the things that help are things like uh, yoga, swimming, or aqua therapy. Um, and then mm. you have an intentional weight loss, uh, hair loss, and not just hair thinning. You start getting bald spots, uh, poor appetite, uh, sensitivity to light where when you go out in the light, you get really achy, tired, and you can even break out into rashes. Uh, and then it can get as bad as uh, it can affect your kidneys, it can affect your heart, it can affect your lungs, it can affect your brains. Uh, sorry, your brain. And then one of the ones that kind of can go unnoticed or undiagnosed are fevers of a known cause. So if you're having fever, mm. an infection, mm -hmm. that can be one of the pointers towards lupus, especially in young women between 18 to 45 years old. And sometimes even the children, some of the children. Mm, okay, some of the children as well. Yeah. So, Venetia, does this sound yeah. familiar? Do some of these symptoms, have you dealt with these? If so, what were the symptoms that made you I've, go to the doctor? Um, I've dealt with them since birth. I was having fatigue, which we obviously, I mean, we didn't know at that time, but my mother had said that I would just, like, fall asleep in the middle of playing. Um, as a mm. very young child. And then um, I would always talk to her about my head hurt all the time, my stomach hurt all the time, um, and I was just constantly tired. So um, I had been taken back and forth to the doctors. I was put in the hospital when I was 10. Um, we couldn't find anything. They were looking for really juvenile diabetes at that point. So um, mm -hmm. I continued to have one symptom after another. But when treating lupus, you always just treat the symptoms. So I just kept having my symptoms treated. And then uh, once I got married, my husband is not military, but his job had him. Uh, we re relocated from Philadelphia to St. Louis and then down to Houston. So when you keep moving like that, you can't keep a doctor to be consistent with keeping up with your symptoms. So I had the fatigue. Mm -hmm. I had the joint swelling. I had the headaches. Um, I had skin rashes. I had pleurisy. Oh, my goodness. I would keep pleurisy for like a month and a half at a time. Um, mm. I had the hair loss, and I had renal. So, yes, Dr. I've um, had all of them. Dr. Mashua, when a person starts having symptoms, I mean, at what point should they go to the doctor? I mean, I have a headache. Okay. You know, she said she was having, you know, stomach ache. Maybe it's something she eats. Like, how do we know at what point to go to the doctor? So I think the first place to hopefully start off with, I know not everybody has a primary doctor, but starting off with your primary doctor, um, usually we, and we are also educating the primary doctors. Um, I'm not a spokesman right now of the American College of Rheumatology, which is our professional organization, but they've actually developed programs and not only develop, but they have um, programs where primary care doctors are educated about 
um, detecting or um, being aware of symptoms that could potentially be lupus. The American mm-hmm. College of Rheumatology is also involved in the work towards uh, having more ed- education given at a medical school level. I can tell you when I went to medical school, I really don't recall much. Maybe in passing, lupus was, you know, in one of the um, presentations, but we really didn't uh, dwell uh, deeply into the disease. So now there's a lot of advocacy to have medical students understand uh, symptoms of lupus because those, again, can be either mimic other diseases, they can be missed. So there's a lot of education that's going on. And typically, like with our doctors here in Atlanta, we encourage them. If there's just um, fatigue or some combination of symptoms, if they're not sure, just refer to us. I I, Mm -hmm, I tell my mm -hmm. colleagues, I'd rather you come to me and then I do the full evaluation. And even in some of the patients I evaluate, I may not make the diagnosis, but what I do is I monitor them going forward. And some of them do also then develop more symptoms and then I make the diagnosis. Venetia, how, how do you cope with your symptoms? Is there a special diet that you need to do? Can you exercise or not? And are there, you know, medications? Talk us, how, how do you cope with the symptoms? Um, I do take a number of medications um, that have seemed to have calmed the symptoms, but they don't get rid of the symptoms. But um, I do exercise. I do, um, I have been doing a water therapy, a, a deep water workout so that I have no um, no pressure to any of the joints when you're in the, in the mm-hmm. deep water. Um, mm-hmm. But during COVID, I had not been going. So um, I just had to beef up the other workouts that I do. But I try to walk, um, I, I, you know, steady walk, um, steady exercise routine because, the joints are a big problem, and if you don't keep them moving, then you have more pain. Um, but I then have to take more medication to calm down the muscular pains that you get from the workout. So you do have to understand that. And diet is very important. Um, you have to kind of look at what works with your body. But, of course, I always tell people, <clears throat> excuse me, in my support groups, to be sure that they work, they they go to the market and shop primarily the perimeter because the more you go into inside the market, uh, more into the aisles, the more uh, refined foods you're getting, and you don't want to use those. You want to use as natural as possible. Stick with fresh vegetables, fresh fruits, um, and, and then kind of work your way in. But you want to stay away from any type of food that's already been um, manufactured. Um, and box. altered. So if you stick with that, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're doing well. And then you have to kind of do research as to um, some things will aggravate inflammation. So um, you want to try to stay away from some of those. And and that's Doctor, what I primarily do. Mm-hmm. Dr. Mashur, the, what do you suggest to patients um, when they, you know, are dealing with certain symptoms? It's so many symptoms. But just some mm-hmm. basics, like she was talking diet. Is that what you suggest? Do you talk to them about exercise? Um, do you, you know, talk to them about what she was saying, you know, do the perimeter type of thing? 
Yes. So I actually have a medical and non-medical approach to treating um, uh, lupus. So the -hmm. medications, um, absolutely. Uh, There's a lot of fear. You know, most times it's people who are young. They have their lives to live. You know, people are in denial. You don't want to be bothered. But it's very important. If you're having symptoms, talk with your rheumatologist, take your medications. That's very helpful. One of the reasons Mm -hmm. we see complications from lupus is because patients don't take their medications. So that is very Mm -hmm. important. The Mm -hmm. non-medical therapies or means, um, Venetia mentioned, exercise is really, really important. And it doesn't have to be high-intensity you know, it's not like trying, you know, it's, 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 you're not competing with anybody. You're just conditioning mm-hmm. your body so that it's able to handle those situations when you're flaring. And also exercise will um, build up your, or your natural endorphins. And those are endorphins are painkillers that will also help with modulating the pain. Um, uh, other things are rest. Our body resets when we sleep. Uh, we need to have good sleep hygiene, meaning ways to unwind. Don't go to bed with your phone and your TV and your you know, laptop. Um, uh, I usually <laughs> say bed is for two things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bed is for two things, sleep and, you know, the other stuff. At least seven to eight hours of sleep, very important. Um, other things are limiting sun exposure because we know UV light triggers lupus and can cause lupus flares. So avoiding being out in the sun between 10 and 4 p.m. and also using sunscreen and clothing because the UVA rays, um, um, UV, UVB rays can penetrate. So not only sunscreen but also clothing when you're out in the sun. Dr. Mashua, can you tell me about this butterfly rash? What is that? Is it really like a butterfly that looks on the, a rash? What what is it? And is that from the sun? Yeah, I'm going to try to be descriptive uh, over the uh, phone, but it's a rash. <laughs> <Okay>. that, <laughs> it's a rash that if we can uh, uh, imagine, it's right um, from the bridge of the nose over the cheeks, around the edge of the cheeks, and back on the lower side to the bridge of the nose. Usually it does, mm. it leaves, it uh, spares the area of the bridge of the nose. So you may actually have a rash on the nose itself and then on the cheeks. So that's what's called okay. a male rash. And that's where the butterfly symbol for lupus comes from. Typically, and I'll just say this again, uh, even in, and we're changing this. Again, the American College of Rheumatology just has a project to actually get more um, photos of um patients of color because what we see are the pink, beautiful pink rashes that we will not see on dark skin. So over dark skin or brown skin, it's going to be maybe more dark. It may not be as red. Um, It can almost look purplish sometimes, but not really. It's actually more dark, hyperpigmented. And that rash usually most times occurs when people are out in the sun. It's called a photosensitive rash. So you're out in the sun and Venetia, you just break out into that rash. Venetia, <laughs> let me ask you, did you have you had that rash yourself? And if yes, so, I how did, did you um deal I, with it? Well, I was living in Texas at the time and I was seeing my OBGYN and he looked at my face and um I had been dealing with this rash for quite some time and 
and I'm not a person that likes to go out without my makeup on, but I had to um, even go without makeup to try to see if it was, you know, it induced from the, the, the chemicals I was using. And he mm-hmm. looked at me and he said, that looks like a, a, a butterfly rash. Um, looks like you might have lupus. And, I, and he said, that's not my area of expertise, but, you know, you might want to look into it. And at that time, this was maybe the early 90s, um, insurance didn't cover it, uh, to do one possible test was $500. And wow, and your, and your insurance wow. didn't cover it? Wow. No, insurance would not have covered that. Oh, wow. So okay. I sat out for a number of years, and I didn't seem to have any other symptoms, just this butterfly rash. But um, uh, So it took another maybe five years because then I left Texas and, and went back to St. Louis. And uh, with, when I was in St. Louis is when we found out what it was. But I was having other symptoms at that time. And that's what led me to the doctor uh, was the so other Venetia, symptoms. It was the rate renowned. Venetia, how can friends and family yes. help someone when they're diagnosed? You know, it's probably a very sensitive issue. How can friends and family help? their friends, you know, when they're dealing with it, you know, what's appropriate? Hmm. Um, well, certainly supportive and not being, um, uh, what's the word, uh, n- n- not um, just having patience with the person. Um, sometimes okay. I have been ridiculed by my family or friends that, you know, you just didn't want to do something and, and so you use that as an excuse. So wow. having okay. having having them understand the seriousness of this um, is getting them the education, getting them the information that uh, makes them understand just how difficult this disease is. Um, mm-hmm. So my family, the, the people that I'm surrounded with, um, are certainly very supportive of me. The ones that aren't, you just kind of like give them a little space and hope that maybe they understand um, through someone else. But you, I just don't try to make them understand. We just kind of give them a little space and just try to make sure that you surround yourself with the people that will support you. My husband, my children have always been very supportive. Uh, matter of fact, one texted me and said that he's listening now. So, um, <laughs> but they, <laughs> so um, you know, they're always very supportive, and um, I just have a, a whole host of people that are willing to listen and to try to get more information. And the main thing is just getting that information. Um, that's why I stay as involved as I do, because without it, people just don't know. Yeah. Dr. Mashua, can is, is lupus contagious? And can you die yeah. from lupus? Uh, so number, lupus, is, yeah, lupus is not contagious. And yes, unfortunately, we do have patients who die and actually die young. Um, it can, it's a combination of um, severe disease. And then some are just not diagnosed until it's too late. We actually have patients here in Georgia and Atlanta who have flown from um, uh, kind of the outer areas of Georgia, from Alabama, very sick and maybe late diagnosis. And then the one that I'm going to emphasize over and over again is 
um, unfortunately, sometimes patients don't take their medications, and others is because mm-hmm. they don't have health care insurance. So, Venetia, the problem mm-hmm. you had many years ago is still a problem now. Insurance coverage mm-hmm. is still a problem, and we're, we're advocating for our patients to get that. Um, if I could say something about the support system, it's also important. I encourage my patients to have a family member, a friend, come with them to the doctor for the visit because that also enlightens them a lot and also they can ask questions directly to the provider. Now, you know, you mentioned this people being young. What if you want to have a baby? You know, this illness affects mostly women and you want to have a baby. Can you uh, have a child, um, Dr. Mashua, when you have lupus? Mm -hmm. Yes, and and, as, and as, I'll just um, just share with the audience that yes, you can have a child, but it all it depends. Again, every person's lupus is different, but it's very important that um, to plan as much as possible to plan conception around how active or inactive your, the disease is. So it's best to um, get pregnant when lupus is in remission. Remission meaning you're symptom-free or very minimal symptoms. Typically for six months to a year, I usually advise my patients a year. This is a very tough discussion to make, especially sometimes patients are older, time is running out, uh, but it's best to uh, plan pregnancy around the uh, low disease or remission because there's a higher rate of um, complications, even death to both the mother and the baby if one gets pregnant when the lupus is active. And also mm-hmm. uh, lupus patients at a higher rate of preeclampsia, uh, which is high blood mm-hmm. pressure and protein in the urine, so that needs to be monitored closely. And then those patients who have kidney lupus, unfortunately, if the lupus, kidney lupus is very active, sometimes patients go into kidney failure and end up on dialysis, so that can be very risky. So the best thing is to see a high-risk GYN if you have lupus, and then coordinate care very closely with the rheumatologist. That's mm-hmm. um, good to hear because, you know, I'm sure that is a topic of discussion, you know, for, for young women. Um, you know, men, they can yes. be 70 and then have a baby, but, you know, we actually do have a time <laughs> yeah. limit. Uh, it is uh, high risk after 35, and um, people, for some reason, even today, they still don't believe that. Um, Venetia, uh, what, uh, where can people go? I know the uh, website for the foundation is lupus.org. Um, what are some other supports? Do you have uh, groups? Do, are they doing online things now because of the COVID? Yes, we have our um, – we're doing a virtual walk to end lupus now on October 16th of this year. We did the walk virtual last year. We're going to do one more walk this year. Uh, this is Lupus Awareness Month. And uh, we thank you so much for bringing us on during this time because it is, um, you know, the time that we want to get as much information out as possible. Um, we do uh, – some of the support groups are virtual. We do have a couple that might be meeting in person soon because of the loosening of COVID. Um, but um, you can go online to the LSA Tri-State Chapter website and pull up exactly where they have these support groups so that you can find one that suits the area that you live in. Um, We are getting ready to do a slash course, which will be in um, uh, July, 
not the first week, but the second Thursday running through. Venetia, tell them, um, the, tell them what the slush means. Tell them what that slush means. I'm so. sorry. I'm so sorry. Slush, which is a self, is a S-L-E, system lupus erythematosus, self-help. So that's why it's called slush. And this is a five-week course that teaches you how to help yourself through lupus, whether it be through meditation, uh, what to expect when you go to a doctor, how to prepare going to a doctor, and how to just help take care of yourself daily. Um, uh, matter of fact, I will be co-facilitating that um, on Thursday evening starting at 6 to 7.30. And if you go to the website, they can um, get you registered so that you can um, join us. Dr. Mashua, we did not discuss your situation. Are you comfortable talking about you for a little bit, for a second? Sure, Um, sure. uh, I just want to let the audience know that Dr. Mashua is also um, dealing with um, lupus. Can you tell us um, some of the things that you went through in the beginning um, and and how did you cope? I call this a real-life story. Um, You know, we read it in books. we learned it in medical school, but um, in my last year of uh, medical school, I was very healthy and fit, and out of the blue started having joint pain in the morning on waking up, uh, started having rushes, and it, you know, it took between August and November, about three to, actually, and actually through the summer, it was about four months of having fatigue, weight loss, uh, the joint pain rushes, um, and no one could figure out of amongst uh, actually some of the best doctors because they ended up saving my life, but mm. everybody thought it was something else. I, I got HIV tested like a million times, and one of my doctors got really mad with the other doctors because, you know, they're like, you know, we've done this HIV test, but I guess I was a black woman, so they wanted to do another HIV test. They put me in the hospital for a week and ran all kinds of tests, and they still could not make the diagnosis. And it took um, an episode of shortness of breath. I went to the ER. They took a mm-hmm. chest X-ray and said I had pneumonia. And so they admitted mm-hmm. me for pneumonia. And the following day, I went into uh, respiratory failure. I, I couldn't breathe on my own. So I ended up, you know, intubated, and uh, I was in a medical coma for about 11 days. When I woke up, um, I was, you know, very confused, and I, they, they were writing notes to me, and I asked what's going on, and they wrote, you know, you have lupus. My brother wrote on the paper, and I said, lupus? I, I mean, I, I recall thinking, what is lupus? Because, again, we had not really been taught about lupus. We had seen it in passing in books, but not really gone into depth. So that's how I got diagnosed six months after that. So my lungs were affected, heart was affected six months after that. My kidneys were affected. I couldn't get into residency for a year. In that time frame, actually, it was like Venetia debilitating fatigue. I, I couldn't think clearly. At, at some mm. point, I really couldn't so many remember yeah, my knowledge. But, you know, with, with, with faith, with family, with friends, really good support, I was able to get, you know, mm-hmm. get well. Uh, and that's why I became a rheumatologist. Um, to make a difference, not just to myself, but to everybody else. Uh, Joy, I'm just going to share. I do the clinical trials research uh, in Atlanta, and I really mm-hmm. encourage um, 
all lupus mm. patients to consider being part of this work because that's the only way we're going to um, advance the knowledge, especially for minority patients, understand more about the disease, and then hopefully develop better medications based on our genetic uh, predisposition. You know, Dr. Mashua, yeah. um, uh, let me also tell the audience, uh, my power went out in my area, so you're hearing the, 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 the electrical company outside a little bit. But um, I just want to say, you know, thank you uh, for so much for sharing your story. Uh, also, thank you, Benicia, for coming on. I want to say, you know, the clinical trials is a touchy area um, mm-hmm. because for people of color to get involved in um, the medical field for testing, and I'm putting my hands up, uh, of course, like it's, it's very. We have a yes. we have a bad history, so um, yes. I, I I'm glad to hear though. You know, you're a person of color. You're a doctor, and you're telling them. You know, in a sense, it's okay. But of course, do your homework, people. You know, make sure yes. that it's a, yeah. a a reputable place, not something in the back of the um, the supermarket. <laughs> you know, in the butcher in the butcher butcher section or something. Um, but uh, ladies, uh, we, we have run out of time. I just want to thank you again for coming on this morning, sharing this information. I also want to thank um, the American College of Rheumatology. Uh, they connected me with uh, Dr. Mashua. I want to thank the uh, Lucas Foundation of America's uh, Tri-State Chapter. They um, helped connect me to um, Venetia Thompson. Thank you, ladies, for coming on, and I, I hope you thank, have a wonderful thank weekend, you. okay? Thank, Thank you, you so much, much. Joy. Thank Have you, a great Mishua, day. Thank you, Vanessa. Have a great day. Bye. Okay. okay Thank you. Bye bye, everybody. Thank you so much okay, for tuning bye. in. I want to uh, encourage you to follow uh, me at, at Joy Keys on Twitter. Also, check me out on Facebook Saturday mornings with Joy Keys and on Instagram Saturdays with Joy Keys. Also, you can email me Saturdays with Joy Keys at hotmail.com. Also, the Lupus Foundation's website is lupus.org. They're also on Twitter, lupus.org uh, on Twitter. They have Facebook page. Um, the American College of Rheumatology also has uh, some very good information. But when you have lupus, you do have so many different symptoms. You probably are dealing with a team of doctors. And I think one of the things that um, in the past people talked about, having your doctors communicate with each other is important. And um, also keeping a diary of your symptoms so that when you do go to the doctor, you know, you might forget something that happened like three weeks ago, but you could be like, oh, you know what, here, uh, let me show you, I I was going through this. And that might help your physician or physicians because you probably will have multiple physicians when dealing with lupus. So that's um, something that um, I've learned through other people that having the diary is important. Um, and, And again, helping your doctors work together. Make them work together. Make them, you're paying them. It's a service, you know. Um, They should be giving you top-notch treatment no matter where you are in the country, no matter where you are in the city. Um, Again, thank you so much for following. Next week we're going to be doing a show about strokes. Um, We have a lot of great authors coming up. Check out the Facebook page. Um, Check out uh, the Instagram. You can see the pictures and, and some descriptions. Thank you again for your support, and I will talk to you later. Make sure you get your vaccines. All right, bye-bye. What if you were wearing something sexy? What if you were drinking? What if you made the first move? No matter what, sexual assault is never your fault. Support is available 24-7 through the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Call 1-800-656-HOPE or visit RAIN.org. 
That's R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G. This is Christina Ricci with RAIN, reminding you, it's never your fault. Brought to you by RAIN and this station. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.